You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the 51st Psalm, David sings the petition, O Lord, open thou my lips. It's a strange sort of prayer request, especially when we remember that David probably had a mouth and lips and a tongue. And so we think to ourselves, why would he need the Lord's help to open something that he's already opening? But not all noises that come out of our mouth are the same. And I'm sure that David's lips worked perfectly well when he ordered Uriah the Hittite to be moved to the front lines of battle and murdered. But in God's hearing, these words are nothing but the worthless sighs of a dead man. David's lips may have flipped back and forth, but the words coming from his mouth proved the condition of his soul, and his soul was rotting. And where the soul is dead, the body is soon to follow. David's lips, like the lips of every sinner, are silenced under the heavy hand of God's wrath. The wages of sin, including the sin of this prophet king, is death. See, not only were were David's lips dead, his ears were dead. The Lord spoke through Moses and the prophets to David, but David let their words wash over him. The sermons that he heard were always about someone else. They were always directed to somebody else. They never had to deal with him. That's what he thought until the Lord opened his ears. Now, you heard about this in the Old Testament lesson last week. The Lord worked a miracle. Nathan the prophet woke David's sleeping conscience by striking his ears with the law, with the Lord's anger, that he had murdered his neighbor. But then, and most importantly, the Lord soothed David's conscience by blessing his ears with mercy. This mercy, this promise that he would not die, opened David's lips to sing the words that we see in the 51st Psalm, which confesses the guilt of a condemned man, a sinner who's going to die, but also confesses the faith of a saint who has been snatched out of the grave. As David's son and David's Lord, Jesus alone has the authority to bring life to the dead, and comfort to sinners. For Jesus' sake, David was restored to the joy of salvation. Jesus proves it today to you by opening the ears of a deaf man and loosening his tongue. He does this for for somebody just like you, a sinner, a beggar before God's throne who has nothing to offer. You can only bring to Jesus your sin, your weakness, and your death. Jesus takes these gladly, and he gives you in return his strength, his forgiveness, and his life. He gives you saving faith in the words that you now use to confess his mercy. So first, let's talk about the fact that Jesus 
physically restores his creation. And then we'll talk about how, how Jesus spiritually restores his saints. Now, the deaf mute man in the gospel lesson was in a pretty sorry state. Now, most of the people that we find in the gospel, uh, the gospels will, will come to Jesus, like the Syrophoenician woman uh, who came to Jesus right before this happened. And she, and she asks Jesus to have mercy. Just like other sinners and, and people with afflictions would come to Jesus and beg him for his mercy. But, this, but the man in, the, in today's gospel lesson doesn't even get that far. And why should he? Everybody else has an ear to, to hear Jesus preach. And through this preaching, this word, these words about Jesus, they have faith. But this, this man in the lesson today couldn't hear the preaching. He probably saw the crowds thronging around Jesus, but he had no idea why. Why would this man have any interest in someone with, with stopped-up ears and a bound tongue? Now, I'm sure that this man's ears and tongue looked very much like uh, the ears and the tongue of any healthy person, but they were useless. He never heard his mother's voice. He never heard the rush of wind through the trees or, or the psalms that were prayed in the temple. He couldn't ask for a cup of water. He couldn't tell his friends what he was thinking, nor could he utter a word of prayer. Now, this might make us think, was this some sort of cruel joke played on him by his Creator? Why would God seem fit to endow everybody else, seemingly everybody else, with ears that work and a tongue that works, but not this man? What sin had he committed? Was he, was he somehow worse than his neighbor? But the curse is, dear saints, no worse than the curse that already rested on his friends and his family and all the rest of his neighbors, who could use their ears and their tongue, but only for a little while. Their curse was only less noticeable compared to his. And probably for that reason, it was more advantageous for the deaf mute. He understood the reality of God's curse against sinful man at his flesh when he said, You are dust. And to dust you shall return. This man knew full well that he was not sufficient in himself. His body could not perpetually keep itself going. He knew that he was going to die. Why? Because his ears and his tongue were already dead. If he knew anything, it was weakness. He had to depend on other people to get him to Jesus. Thanks be to God that he had friends. He had neighbors. They brought him to Jesus, and, and the text says they begged him to lay his hand on him. And if we learn anything from this example, it's that the Lord hears the prayers that are lifted up on behalf of others. He hears them, and he answers them. Now, to be weak, needy, helpless, and desperate is exactly how Jesus wanted this man. And in fact, this is how Jesus wants you. He wants you to pray the words of the introit this morning. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. He wants you to pray these words in faith, believing every single word of them, that you do need help, that you are not sufficient in yourself. Sure, you and I have eyes, ears, tongues, reason in all of our senses, and they work for a little while, but given enough time, they break down, and they start to wither. 
Now, I, maybe you've gone through this like I have where uh, you have bad eyes. And so you go and get a, a prescription, right, for, eye, for, for, for to see better. And then you go back the next year, and it turns out you need a stronger prescription. And you go back the next year, and you need a stronger prescription. Uh, until you get to the point where you start wondering to yourself, at what point do they tell me, I'm sorry, but they don't make a prescription that strong. <laughs> at some point you realize that uh, the, the volume setting on your hearing aid only goes up so high that you're never going to be able to hear the same things again. At some point you realize that you could remember a lot more when you were younger. You forget a lot now. You're dying, dear saints. And your flesh is cursed. It's falling apart. And so rather than buying into the lie of immortality that the devil has somehow convinced the world to chase after, take your weaknesses and failings, your your fading eyesight, your bad ears, your forgetfulness as a gift from your Heavenly Father, as a reminder that you are weak, and that you need to pray. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Now, when Jesus came to the deaf-mute man, when his friends brought him near to Jesus, did Jesus treat this man as any more cursed than anybody else in the crowd? Did he ignore him and move on to someone who was more able-bodied or capable to do his Father's will in his kingdom? No. If anything, Jesus treats this man like he's more blessed than anyone else there. He takes this man by himself, away from the crowd, and preaches a sermon that was for him and him alone. Jesus put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up into heaven, he sighed and said to them, Ephaphatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Now remember that this man's ears were as good as dead. His tongue was fit for the grave, but Jesus never lets death stop him. He works resurrection for this man. He saves this man's senses, his body, from corruption. And that which he knit together in this man's womb, He now works to redeem and to restore. And he gives him a foretaste of the resurrection of all flesh. Now I want you to remember this too. That that which God creates and establishes and institutes and orders, he also works to restore and to renew and to bring back from the corruption of sin. And this is our comfort. As we grow old, as our eyes start to fade, as their hearing starts to go, as, as we get more forgetful. We remember this, that Jesus remembers us. Just as he remembered this man who, who had lost his hearing and his tongue. That he wants to restore to us life. And our sight. And our hearing. And our thinking. All of it. Now, what did this man bring to Jesus? <laughs> as a payment for this great gift. Absolutely nothing. He was a beggar. He brought nothing but death, but Jesus responded with life and even eternal life. So, 
Whatever I mean by eternal life, it's this. Don't think that for a second that Jesus only cares about this man's ears at his tongue for a few years until he once again dies. Jesus opened his ears not to hear the cacophony of a a fallen world, nor did he loosen his tongue to speak whatever came to his mind. Jesus opened his ears to hear the promises of forgiveness. He loosened his tongue to confess the lengths that his God would go to in sending his only begotten Son to this earth to die for sinners. He opened his lips to declare the Lord's praises. The praises of a Lord who clothes himself in the weakness of human flesh, who suffered for sinners the heavy hand of God's wrath, who died and who was raised for the justification of sinners and for their imperishable life. Jesus taught this man, and he teaches you, the essential organs for the Christian life, and those are your ears and your tongue. So St. Paul writes, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. And you know, dear saints, that this word of Christ saves. It's the same word, indeed, that Jesus stuck into the man's ears, that he spit onto his tongue, and that he sighed into heaven that pleased his heavenly Father. This is the word that grants both physical and spiritual life. And what was the effect of hearing and receiving this this word of God? The man confessed. Ah, Jesus told him not to. He couldn't help himself. He ran out into the countryside and had to tell everybody that here is Jesus who has done all things well. St. Paul writes, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not just saved for a little while, but saved eternally. By the same resurrection that your Lord Jesus has obtained for you with his own resurrection and life. All right, there's one last sticky point about this text that we should probably talk about, and it's this. What, What if, oh pastor, What if you don't have ears to hear? What if you really don't have the ability to listen audibly to the gospel? What then? What if you have no tongue? Surely we know of mute people, people who can't talk. How are they to confess Christ? Well, thanks be to God. There's more than one way to hear, and there's more than one way to confess. Jesus won't let dead flesh get in the way. He overcomes it through his word. Whether it's signed, or seen, or heard, or even touched. Jesus, with his very body and blood, will place, will place this gift of forgiveness and life upon your very tongues this morning. As your gift, as the gospel, in tangible form. You come to this altar to receive, to receive your salvation, and life eternal. And by coming forward to this altar, you are making a specific confession of who this Jesus is and what he has done for you. In that case, it's not so much your tongue that's confessing, it's your feet that comes to this place to hear this gospel. You confess a Savior who alone has the authority and the desire to redeem your body from death and your soul from guilt. And so, dear saints, learn to pray with with David. O Lord, open thou my lips, 
and I shall declare thy praise. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.